week nine. We're going to close the book on it. Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. Steve's a little, his belly's aching a little bit, so we're going to make this a, fi- a fast, tight one and start right with 4-1 and one in the Super Contest. That's nice. Fez, you had a tough one on Monday night. Yeah, hurt my feelings. Had a big bet on the Jets and just, you know. Just wrong. Just wrong. Jets aren't built to come from behind, but, you know. See, this, what was your rationale? It was just a power ratings play, yes. I mean, meaning that the number just seemed way off. Yeah, so, and, and we did this on the Dream Pod. We basically have the Jets just a slightly below average team and the Chargers just a slightly above average team. How in the world are the Chargers laying three and a half traveling across the country? I mean, the, they're, they're not four and a half points better than the Jets. Heck, they're, I, don't, I don't even have them three points better than the Jets. Well, I do now. Well, that's, after what's, tonight. that's what's interesting. If you look at the underlying numbers, the Jets are, in some cases, like their defense was, before tonight was considered to be average. Now, I know no one thought that, but the numbers pretty much said that. And then their offense is like 30. Yeah, and it turned out it was all the Jets' offense and their compromised O-line. The Jets' defense played very well tonight. You know, the Chargers didn't move the ball well at all. I mean, but the What Jets- was the final score? Uh, I mean, it was 14 nothing in the first, right? It was a punt return touchdown, and then there was a pick six, and the, the I think 27-6 to six oh, final so score. Oh, so Wilson threw a pick six? I, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so, the, so they got the Chargers' offense only scored 13 points. So another home underdog under on Monday night. That that's that of all the uh, trends on uh, primetime unders, the home underdog Monday night's the most powerful this, one. This is scary because I'm thinking, no, it's the road favorite unders that do well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but usually the th- that's very good. But usually the theory is that the, the home team gets to dictate the crowd's affecting it. They're excited, you know, that kind And the of. road team's like, let's be careful. You know, if we just don't screw up, we'll win. And yeah. that's, that's what the Chargers, the Herbert and company, that's what they didn't screw up. So, so we're going to do the—sorry to- about that. We're going to do the top um, games of the week, then get into Fez's complaint. We'll call him the, when he cries about a game. But it's really a faulty final. The numbers mm-hmm. are misleading. But first, though, Kansas City, Miami— now, here's what I see. We're halfway through the season. Kansas City's offense is not looking too good. I know everyone says, oh, we got Mahomes. We can trust Mahomes. Okay. Kelsey, now there's all this theory on the internet that it's about is his girlfriend there or not. When she's there, <laughs> he plays better. When she's not there, he's dis- or unenthused. I don't know. Statist- I mean, it does seem like there's an effect. It could be a coincidence. You don't think Andy Reid might not say, "Ah, oh, let's get let's get Kelsey a touchdown for for Taylor Swift." Maybe, it's but I'm saying just generally. I'm saying that generally. Let's forget that because it doesn't matter. But if he's playing about, can you give me his splits? You know, just his. I guess his game by game. I mean, he's old. He's about Gronk's age, right? Last year, I was predicting he was going to start to really drop off. I was way wrong about that. But it's going to happen. Sure. I still remember Fez, like four straight years, his predict, main prediction for the football season Brady. was Tom Brady was going to start to look look old <laughs> at some point. And then when they won the Super Bowl in Tampa, I said, so what do you say? Because next year I think he's going to get old. <laughs> you were going to be right at some point. All right, let's look at this. Against the Dolphins, he had three receptions for 14 yards. Hmm. Not good. Uh, six for 58 against the Broncos. He had a monster against the Chargers, 12 for 179. He had a monster against the Broncos the first time, 124. But then otherwise, 67 yards, 60 
69 and 26. This is, I mean, if this was his stats, his rookie year, we'd be saying, oh, maybe some potential. He's, he, you know, he's, he's not consistent, but right. I mean, those don't blow you away, do they? It's all over the board, frankly. I it's kind of hard to, you know, to, to draw any conclusions. You know, if you if he went over under seventy yards in a game, he would have gone over twice this year. Yeah, but if I take out the fourteen, it certainly looks like it's trending in the right direction. It's looking good, right? You know, until the Miami game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but really, I think if we look at a half a season, this is a down year. Now, that's interesting. I think you're right because I think I think his over. Well, you know what? It's interesting. Can we look up what his over under for yardage was for the year? Because I would guess it probably it had to be over a thousand. I bet it was like eleven hundred. Okay, I don't know. You got an arc, uh, a good archive for that, Mackenzie? Yeah, I'll pull that up. Right. Uh, he's on pace for five ninety seven through six games. He's on pace for twelve fifty. Six games? What are you talking about? We're halfway through. I'm sorry, seven games. Oh, let's keep he, going. He didn't play the first game. Well, but uh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. But t- I see eight games of data, though. Good point. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the twelve fifty was based maybe, on eight maybe games. three games. I, I misspoke, but that that twelve fifty is based on eight games. Okay, so I don't know. It just uh, it, it seems like he's had a couple. More, I mean, to me, it's the median, not the mean. That's the question. And in this case, he's he's because you, in theory, you're going to have to win. I don't know if they're going to win uh, number one seed or not. Let's say they do. They still got to win three games. At this rate, the odds of him hitting three really good games in a row aren't too good. Yeah, but they— And I think they need they that. They might get two weeks off. They might rest him week seven, do you think week 18. Do you think it's fatigue? I think you nailed it. He's just old. And, and well, well, I think this He's is— He's not getting any younger. Well, this this is, I think, a big-time fatigue. Like we talked about—you talked about the altitude in Denver, back to Kansas City, back to, you know, to, all the way to Germany. That's going to probably impact an older player with a lot of mile on his tires. Tampa Bay and Seattle— who played in Germany last year, both didn't play well hardly the rest of the season after mm. that trip. So I don't know. Kelsey's over under. McKenzie delivers 11.25 and a half yard. So would you go? So you're saying if you do the math right now, right, there was eight games that he played, but nine games the team played. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So then what we would do is say, all right, nine 17s, and then, uh, but we would accept the fact it's going to be eight. So he's played eight, and there's eight to go then, effectively, right? Yes. All right, so we could just double it. Yep. And that would be what exactly? The double? 1194. Okay. So he's on pace for 1194. Would you bet over under over 1125? I'd go under. I would too. Yeah, but not a big bet, but yeah. I'd go under. Yeah. All right. Um, so questions with the offense. The defense looks good. I mean, this is the most impressive any defense has been against Miami. So is it going to be something where you've got Mahomes in an average offense in a top 5D? That seems crazy, and I would make the case before we go to you, Fez, Miami, his defense is trending up, up, up. They might be more, even though they've lost three straight to good teams, I got a feeling Miami's going to make some noise in the playoffs. What do you say? I The market says you're correct. All right? how, and how so? Because... Early in the morning at 6.30 a.m., right before this game kicked off, and I wasn't awake, frankly. In a couple of years ago, I probably would have been. Um, Miami closed the favorite. Miami was minus like— Yeah, they went to one. And yeah, Miami was minus one. Pick them to minus one. So think about this. It's on a neutral site. 
the market was essentially saying on this given day, Miami's the better team. Now you could argue, well, maybe the spot was worth a point and a half. Miami well, getting out this? there early uh, and but, Kansas but City traveling. There, if getting out there early was such a clear favorite or favorite thing, why didn't Kansas City do it? Because I, I think it can screw you later in the year. The idea of spending a week in Germany, I think, maximizes your chance of winning that game. But is it really going to help you the rest of the year? Yeah, that Broadwurst can weigh you down. Well, I think, I think you know, there's two schools of thought. There's the team comes together, like yeah. the whole idea of spend the week at the Greenbrier, right? And and the team bonds, like like preseason. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, no, the team gets distracted and they're, you know, and they're away from home. It's a long and, season. Exactly. I, I don't know what the answer I, I think internationally, I don't think it's a good week. To, to, there's certain places not to spend the week. And I think Germany or Mexico City are probably two of them, probably not so good. But, but let's be honest, there's been different teams that are care about winning that fly out late, you know, Friday night for the Sunday game in London. So I don't think it's yet accepted which is the better approach. I agree. So it's hard to say that, oh, the market thought Miami had big edges there. I just think that the people are rightfully, defense is not as sticky. Just think if two things go wrong for Kansas City. The defense ends up being, let's say, 12. But this offense is what they seem to be, which is 12. 12 and 12 does nothing, you know, offense, defense. That's the worst case scenario. The best case is they step up and play like a top five offense with a top five defense, and now they're the clear favorites. Yes, uh, you know, so watching Kansas City, the the offense has a problem. They can't convert third and ones and third and twos because they don't want to risk Mahomes to injury, and they can't run the ball. Remember when he got hurt? He got hurt on a sneak. He got yeah. bent back. So, so like, and even in this game, remember, like in the past years, they were the kings of like the four minute drill of running out the clock and picking up these short first downs. And now, like, like in this game, like, like they look lost on third. They're like third and one and a half to close out the game, and like they had terrible play, you know. And if Fangio, the architect of the defense, that's you know, you could say has caused at least has caused Mahomes to have to evolve his game, right? And he is, and that leads to more that that Fangio approach leads to more third and ones, right? Mm. If you're taking, if you're Dinkin and Duncan, you're going to have third and ones. Yeah, obviously the contrast is Philly. Philly is almost guaranteed to get those. And Kansas City is what average at him or below average? I'd say below average. That's interesting. So that means even more susceptible against the idea of that too high safety, keeping in front of your defense. And maybe we should start looking more at Kansas City unders because, like, the defenses are just going to like let them try to pick up these third and ones. Like, if they can pick up three of them along the way, you know, they can, you know, they can drive on us. But they're going to have. What what see them go ahead and prove it? You know, as for this final, I think phony final. Either team could have won. Stats were pretty equal and really stemmed on, you know, the one back to the KC defense, the one opportunistic defense. They not only get the turnover, but they're savvy enough to lateral and get the 40-yard lateral return for touchdown at the end of the second quarter. Okay, so our recalculation of the stats, say KC by four and a half, and Kevin Cole, everyone has KC. Well, PFF, so Kevin Cole by three, pregame by seven, Kansas City, and PFF had the noise canceled, had Miami by two. So it looks like a lean KC Kansas by City. three. Yeah, 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 I'm good with that. And Certainly if, not by seven, though. And if you look at the line of scrimmage, KC won that uh, EPA at the line, turnovers removed, about three points, too. Okay. All right, so right now, this is a good segue, because next we're going to Baltimore. So let me oh, – well, no, actually, let's go to Dallas, Philly, then Baltimore. So I'm guessing Baltimore, Kansas City, and Philly – with San Fran, or is that your top four? 
No. Um, Ooh. Now, don't tell me exactly, but who who's in there that I wasn't thinking? Well, you're right about Baltimore, Kansas City, and Philly. Okay. San Fran's out of your top? San Fran, I've got five points better. I, by the way, I normalized all yeah. these teams, so the average team is at zero because I okay. just, but mentally I didn't want the average team to be a below average team. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so I've got Cincinnati now, six points better than an average team. Okay, okay. But but with San Fran, if they wasn't inj- if you took the injuries out, which they're, they're not, in fact, they're supposed to be back, both players this week. Yeah, they're upcoming. right there. I got San Fran a point below Cincy. Okay. See, yeah. it's, it's so interesting, the order of the season. Because since he looked worse than San Fran's ever looked this year for multiple games, right or wrong? Right. But last two, they've looked great. And, and they've but, been but, against two elite teams. Uh, but San Fran's looked equally as good in their good games, and they haven't even looked bad in the games they've lost. That's a good point. So why it, it's the order of it, isn't it? Well, and well, and I, I'm willing to throw the Burrow the injured games into the trash can because he but now you he don't looks... throw the defense looking so below. Fair, average. fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I think could San... be an overreaction. To, to I mean the yeah, I, I was looking at San Fran. You know, it's in, and and you're right. My number is too low on San Fran, so we're jumping a little bit mm-hmm. back and forth. But San Fran is at Jacksonville. All right. Upcoming. And San Fran's laying three at Jacksonville. So the market, obviously, Jacksonville's a good team. Mm-hmm. I got Jacksonville. Top 10, right? Yeah. So I got Jacksonville, the number 10 team. I only have San Fran, the number tied for the number seven team. All right. But San Fran's laying three on the road. So clearly, the market's saying, no, Fez, you're wrong. San Fran is better than your numbers. But if you adjusted out the injuries, it would be different. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they get back Trent Williams this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So listen, what we'll do is go through these games, but let's keep in mind the real overarching narrative here is who's the best team, right? Can't it, there's been a default Kansas City the last like month? I don't think they're the best team right now. I have Baltimore the best team. Now it doesn't mean they've got their, they'd be the best team in the playoffs, but you know Baltimore. I, I tell you what, another juggernaut against an NFC team, and and I think you. You pioneered this, like when when a team has to play Baltimore's offense and they're not used to it, and these are NFC teams, they can be in all kinds of trouble. We just looked at pre-production, some numbers, right, showing you know Baltimore Six very points. successful. Yeah. So during Lamar's starting period from well, from nineteen on, is when they play out of conference, they win uh, against the spread by about six points. Now that's that's significant. Um. They actually do even better in the first quarter because they're they're even less familiar with Lamar. Lamar's a one of a kind player, and and I should say, let's go to that game. I should say, I'm still skeptical, and I and I also have some real questions about the narrative. But first, let me say, Ravens have played two of the five best games of the year. You know, I think Detroit's good. I don't think Seattle's as good as Detroit, but I think Detroit's good, and they just lambasted them, and um. Lambast, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and they criticized them harshly. Yeah, I'm sure they were doing that too. Yeah, they boat, were talking crap. Yeah, boat raced. Yeah, but what would it? What, there's something with not lambasted. Um, I don't know, but they got. Let's just say they, there was a lot of pain involved. And same thing, obviously, against Seattle. That's impressive. I think the NFC and the newness of it is mitigates it a little bit, but just a little bit. So agreed. Um. You saw that game as a, a the blowout it was, right? And yeah. the thoughts on the Baltimore game? Nothing phony whatsoever. Same as Detroit. Like, game's over early in the second quarter. Donezo. Uh, now, one thing, they're the only team this week that had the ball for 40-plus minutes. And so the offense was good, right? But if you look at the other side, Seattle, Seattle had six first downs. Six first downs. Now, Arizona 
that literally had 58 yards on the whole game, they 58, they had seven first downs. <laughs> so the, the, the Seattle Seahawks were held to less first downs, fewer first downs than a team that had 58 yards. That's just amazing. So it was a domination on the defense. And let's listen, I joke sometimes about the Ravens getting credit for no matter what they do. But them getting and paying a heavy price, both in contract and trade, for the Chicago linebacker, he has brought his team together. What's that, Rokon Smith? Yeah, yeah, that's it. He has brought his team together on defense. I mean, even that, what, what's his name, Queenan, or, uh, the linebacker? Patrick Queen. Yeah, yeah, Queen. He was like, they were ready to cut him, and now he's playing, you know, really well. So... You know, you got to be impressed. They obviously made a gutsy trade there. They have what many X's and O's people, McDonald, think the best defensive coordinator, a young guy that's got new ideas. I think they could be nine and zero, also, right? I mean, they they like well, the Indianapolis. Ones... They could have won easy. Yeah, they were. They are the most unlucky team by our fourth quarter win share, tied with the Forty ers Now think about how. Think about this. The Forty ers have been unlucky. Go ahead. Every, every team that 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 like typically an unlucky team on fourth quarter win share. Is always a team that's like three and six. You're never going to see a team be seven and two and be unlucky in fourth quarter win share. That's impossible. They should be eight and one. Exactly. So, Mackenzie, do me, let's do a little project for the Wednesday taping, Thursday release of the Dream Preview. I want you to look at every week of the fourth quarter win share that Lamar played the entire game. Okay. Going back three years. So, this year, the year prior, the year prior, because the last two years is when he missed, you know, what, half the season or whatever each time. Because I remember that they were always at the top of the fourth quarter win share when Lamar was, even though no one really thought they were the second or third best team, they were always second or third. I bet over the course of Lamar's starts the last three years, Baltimore has the best fourth quarter win. Sure, because they lose games they're supposed to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with Tucker, you wouldn't think so, though. He's missing now. But no team has blown more double-digit leads in, in the NFL over the past three years than Baltimore. I'm confident of that. Mackenzie, what do you think of that? I like it. I think I could do that in a few minutes with uh, our great super sheet here. All right. Well, if you want to do that, that's all the better. All right. So, ooh, so tease ahead. By the end of the pod, we'll have that information. Or Mackenzie will pay you $1,000. Each, all the listeners. <laughs> we are pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell, Steve Fezzik, closing the book on week nine. So you got him number one. How it feels a little equivocating. It feels a little weak saying, but I'm not saying in the playoffs. Right now, if you were drafting, you win 10,000 bucks. If they win the Super Bowl, there's no odds. It's a free roll. What's your order of picks? All right. I'm going to give you a sack. Go ahead. I'm going Kansas City one. All right. And who's two, who's three? Well, I got to think it's such a big advantage to have home field. Mm-hmm. And I, I might have to do Philly, too. So what is it that you don't like? Because, I mean, we can move to that game, Philly-Dallas. Let's do that. What is it that you that causes you apprehension when it comes to Philly? Every week, it looks like Hurts gets more and more hobbled. But if anything doesn't, isn't the assumption is that he's going to be healthy for the playoffs— Thus, the fact that they can win this many, this much, and this often, and by the margin they do in many cases with him hobbled, doesn't that recommend the team? Sure, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't even get even worse injured. So I almost think Philly is going to have to like rethink some of the strategy and their usage of him with the tush push and everything else because it was it was ugly the way he was looking at the end of the first half. You know that, but still they win. 
Yeah, the uh, faulty final, though you think faulty final. You know, it's, it's one of those hard games because Philly like is covering. They're up two scores like most of the second half, and then Dallas fails in the red zone. They have three trips to the red zone and they get one touchdown. So if they get and they and they fail on their two point conversion. So at worst case scenario, likely worst case scenario, they get one touchdown out of three. They get the two point conversion and it lands on the number. And they literally got stopped four inches short. You know earlier in the fourth quarter. So you're saying this is, a, at worst, a toss-up? Yeah, it's one of those situations I think that probably Dallas, it's one of the, Dallas probably covers 40%, they push like 35%, and they lose 25%, something like that. But couldn't the case be made that Philly is a savvy team that tends to win some close games, and Dallas is the opposite? Like, if, if it comes down to the intangibles, if it's like Joe Montana against Cincinnati in the Super Bowl— Dak would look up and say, John Candy, I can't believe it. I'm so nervous. <laughs> or some, who knows what he would I, do. I guess, you know, it I, it's a good like... point. It's a, it's, a, it's a good point, and Dallas does implode where Dak takes a sack on the final drive that Joe Montana would never have taken. And Dak, but I think it's more anti-Dallas. And Dak steps, saying, he steps yeah. out, but, but it's not pro-Philly. It's anti-Dallas. Well, Philly's won a lot of games. Philly's, like yeah. like Philly's like Ric Flair used to be as the NWA champion. He would always like be getting beat. But he'd somehow win at the end. You know, a little tangent. There was one time Ric Flair retained his world championship against Wahoo McDaniel. Well, yeah. Wahoo McDaniel had him in the sleeper. Okay, I wasn't going to And, and Ric Flair collapsed, okay, unconscious. And so Wahoo, you know, fell on top of him. Mm-hmm. But Ric Flair somehow fell, just happenstance, his foot over the rope. Mm-hmm. And Wahoo pinned him with Wahoo's shoulders down. Okay. The ref counts one, two, three, and then raises Flair, un- who's unconscious, <laughs> his hand up because his leg was on the rope. So he couldn't be pinned, but See, Wahoo's shoulders were down. That's exactly my point. Flair Wahoo was win- not Fla- happy. Flair's a winner. Yeah. Unconscious wins and, the fight. I mean, he, went, he it's just in his blood. And you know what? The Cowboys are not a winner. And and it, I saw a stat. I, I think you probably saw this. That the last two teams that went back to back started eight and one. The last three teams all won the Super Bowl. And Philly has started last year eight and one, and this year eight and one. Because think about this. Sometimes you get a little bit of noise. You know, towards the second half of the year when you're like, it looks like you're noise, noise is in um, results on the field that aren't really indicative of the truth. Because the team's like, yeah, we're you know we're we're styling towards the number one seeds. So. Are you saying styling because of Ric Flair? Styling and profiling? I was using it from um, the, the Macho Man. Okay. One, one, once quote himself is like Hulk Hogan interfered and he's like, I was styling out there against those Ooh. the Twin Towers. I needed no help. I think there might be a copyright infringement yeah, on, on on the Macho Man. But so don't you believe that? Know, that that the Philly tends to be. I mean, Phillies win, wins. Yes, they win. Yes, I mean, and let's face it. I mean, Dallas like like until the final thirty seconds, Philly Philly was going to win this game, and then it was kind of. Um, you wonder why teams don't do this more often. So Dallas doesn't have enough time on their final drive. Philly mm-hmm. fumbles, they recover it, so Philly's going to win. All right. And they punt, and Dallas doesn't have enough time. But Dak, I give him credit for this. He just chucks up a forty-yard um, long pass, mm-hmm. and they get called for pass interference. But it makes sense, right? It's like you only have like forty seconds left. You don't have time to matriculate highly, down the field. Highly random. Well, and and go which ahead. is what you want in that exactly. case. Exactly. And so put it. You know, put give your. I'm a winner, not a loser. Give your playmaker <laughs> a chance to make a play, or the refs to throw the flag. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we got it. We, you know. It's so funny. I always find it interesting. There's gamblers that are good handicappers, like you seem to do this. 
they seem to get angry at the teams that don't play the way they think they should. Oh, no question. What is that about? I've never gotten angry at someone for not doing something that I recommend. If anything, I like it because then I can exploit it. Yeah, you, and it's a good point. But when I'm betting on that team and they're kicking a field goal on fourth and goal from the one. But then don't bet on teams that do that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the teams that have great stats because they always underperform on the scoreboard. That's a good point. Where, and they seem underrated. Where's Dallas at on your list? Dallas. You, you could make the point that, hey, they just played as well as Philly. Yeah, so. Or better I've, since I've got, they were on the road. I got them sixth. Okay. There's a, they're all jumbled together. I've got, I've got eight teams within two points. All right, so let's say this. Let's let's add San Francisco into the list. Read me the teams that we just talked. So it's going to be the, your top like four or five: Baltimore, mm-hmm. Kansas City, mm-hmm. Philly, Cincy, Miami, Dallas, Detroit, San Fran, and you're right, San Fran's too low. All right. So let's say we we take out Detroit, we take out Miami. Mm-hmm. All right. Now read those teams: Baltimore, all right, Kansas City, mm-hmm. Philly, mm-hmm. Cincy. Dallas. Okay. And San Fran, which I keep right. putting too low. Yeah. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six. If I told you you can pick the five teams, I only get one. Okay. So you get to decide which of these six I get. And let's say if all these teams were even, the odds would be five to one for each of the teams, right? With no VIG. If they had the same path, which they don't. Hmm. Okay, let's forget that for a moment. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. What would what odds would you give me if if you ha- could dictate what team I got? Like, would you give me um, plus one thirty relative to whatever the odds? Meaning, if if uh, so, plus one thirty would be thirty percent more than five to one, right? So I would be getting six and a half to one. So if everyone else were getting five to one, would you give me six and a half to? I'm not saying for real. I'm just saying hypothetically. Would you give me six and a half to one on your pick as the worst team of this? But I mean, I'm trying to say how clustered are they? Because I would make the case. I think I'd take your six team if I could get six and a half to one instead of five to one. It's interesting because it's it's like Dallas, for instance. They, well, they just lost a division game, you know, so mm-hmm. they're screwed now. Now their their path towards the, the 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 one seed is so you know, or even the division title, is so much more difficult mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I would have to sandbag them in terms of their title chances, despite their good power rating. Yeah, and, and again, you, your mind keeps going towards that, and I think it's yeah. right, too, because like it is the way to win, is you got to win a division, or if you don't, you got to go on the road, probably have to play San Fran in San Fran, you know, let's say. You know, probably the year, remember when Carolina made the Super Bowl and then laid an egg, mm-hmm. but like they made the Super Bowl because they're home, so they got... Well, they, they were 15-1 and one that season, yeah, in the regular yeah, season. Yeah. And they, they, they... And they did kick butt at home. Yeah, they did. But they're only laying, like, well, you bring up this, like, against a bad Seattle relative to the other Seattle mm-hmm. teams of the age. Like, they're only, like, laying, like, 2.75 at home against Seattle. Yeah, but this is a two-time Super Bowl participant. Yeah, in, in very got a recent, lot of respect. Yeah. yeah, and they won that game pretty I mean, handily. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess my point is, and maybe the question doesn't work because of the path, but would you say, have you ever seen a team, there would be six teams this late in the year that you think have almost an equal chance? Great question. No, yeah. no. This, the parity is unbelievable in terms of the, you know those those being you know it's, and what's interesting is buffalo just fell out of that group you know well not to kevin cole mm. kevin cole still has him number 1 in his power rankings well kevin cole's going to get a better and better price than them to win the super bowl <laughs> i mean i got to be honest i i really enjoy his stuff I, 
I think he might be he might be doing like an Andy Kaufman situation, like like some kind of long con play that is just going to be like a theater, like p- performance theater. Sometimes, like, like imagine Buffalo loses three more games and he's going to be like, "Yep, it's closer, but they're still number one." Well, I just hope that uh, Kevin Cole doesn't like challenge like like King King Lawler to like a wrestling match, you know, like <laughs> one of these. Oh, there's your Andy yeah. Kaufman knowledge, right? Um, but but listen, let me be clear because what. Kevin, when he when he gets ignorant um, criticism, you know he's pretty he lambast. Let's say back <laughs> right, Mackenzie. Is that fair to say? He does. He's lambasting. Um, I want to be clear that where my I don't think it's criticism where my critique is coming from, which is it's hard to watch that Cincy game, and I know if you spin it, you could say if this happened and this happened. I mean, Buffalo never led. They never led in the game. Um, and the yeah. market was clearly saying emphatically before they kicked off, Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's the better team. Cincinnati's laying two and a half. All mm-hmm. right. But they're saying they're better by a smidge. By a smidge. But since, exactly. But Cincinnati isn't the best team in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. so that's kind of an indictment. Yeah, that's, that, a, that's an interesting point. When you're not as good as, as a team that's not the best team in the NFL before the game kicks and then you lose, you know, the game. So here's the thing. Power ratings are confusing because they can be one of two things. They can be an aggregation of what happened before, okay? And in that case, the injuries don't like say let's say you lost someone this game that's huge it didn't affect how you played in all these prior games. If that if that's what he's doing and thus he gets those that first half of the first half of the year, so the first quarter of the year that Buffalo might have been the best team mm-hmm. before the defensive injuries then I could almost see it because maybe these last couple games haven't been as bad as they seem. But if you're saying looking forward, like a, a, like a power rating today, I don't think you can make the case Buffalo is the best. How, how could you? Because they're more injured than they were at mm-hmm. any point during the year, mm-hmm. and they haven't been having a good year like since but, week but four. That, but, yeah, but that's what's deceiving and, and where I think I agree with him most of the time, which is there's oftentimes scores are deceiving. Sure. It's a, did, I mean, what, what did you th- let's go to the Cincinnati game. What did you think about that game? I thought the Bengals – well, let, let me – let me. I'll tell let you. Me look the, at, let me look at my stats here, real quick. I'll tell you the numbers as you do that. Uh, Bengals should have won by four and a half. Okay, so you've got four and a half. boy, that's an absolute close. Not how, how? What do you have it calculated there? Um, I look. I looked at. The, they won the yards by eighty. They won the first downs by two. So that means they should have won. The first down said they should have won by like two point two, but the yardage says means they should have won by like five. And they had a twenty four ten lead. So I'm counting that last drive as kind of. A little bit of a prevent defense, eight points of garbage. Okay, so if we actually look at the recalculation, we've got Cincy winning by twelve. Really? Okay. So Mackenzie, you want to break down the elements of that? Uh, wh- why that was? Sure. So turnovers, we count in our calculation of stats, and that's eight points disadvantage for Buffalo, advantage for the Bengals. On YPP, the Bengals were two points better. Yards, they were two and a half points better. First downs were about even, and sack yards was about even. All right, so what we're saying is other than the turnovers, it would have been like a one-and-a-half-point Cincinnati win. Yeah. Okay. Well, i got to check the yards because the Bengals won by 80 yards, so that should be, by, that should be more. What did you have? I, I could have a mis-entry, though. Um, let's see. One-and-a-half one point. points. Let's see how much that converted to. 
Well, I, I was, yeah, okay. So you do that as, as we finish here. So let's look at the turnovers because what we do for other calculations is actually remove um, the luck factor in turnovers. Right, Buffalo, two turnovers, Bengals, clean game. Clean yeah, and, and it's not as if all turnovers are created equal. Fumbles are random, who, who recovers them. Uh, interceptions, what we do is we use PFF's turnover-worthy plays to say, should it have been one or shouldn't it have been one? Did he have any or did the quarterbacks have any that should have been picked up but wasn't? That kind of thing. You know, what's interesting is on, I can't recall the first fumble, but the, the Kincaid fumble was the classic, you know, the, the peanut punch, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, on, on Kincaid as he was a little not quite taking care of the ball. So that's like one of those, you know, it takes – it's a, for a car car wreck. There's got to be two, you know, mistakes made. Mm-hmm. So so Kincaid carrying the ball too loose, but he still would have gotten away with it. But a really good defensive punch out also. But you, you know, here's the thing though, is that might have been skillful knocking the ball out, but recovering it is, is very random. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we look at just the turnovers, then we'll go to McKenzie. Just the turnovers, uh, it was eight points of disadvantage for Buffalo. If you look at the line of scrimmage only, check this out. 10.6 points for Cincinnati gained EPA-wise at the line of scrimmage uh, without turnovers considered. Buffalo, 10.5. So one-tenth of a, mm. a point better Cincinnati. So a close game in that regard, but turnovers count. McKenzie? Uh, we also had 80 yards in the game state weighted yardage. Bengals, oh. 394. Buffalo, 314. And for us, that equates to what in points? A 1.5-point advantage for the Bengals. No, that just can't be right. I mean, you've got 80. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, you're right. How could a team ever win by seven? Because usually when you have that 80-yard advantage, you're also getting an advantage in first downs and an advantage in YPP, where if you add those all together, maybe it's a seven-point Yeah, point you know, win. he's making an interesting point. But, but I, well, I thought, hold on, because just to make sure you understand what we're doing, you can tell us if you agree, is because YPP has such a correlated overlap to yards, mm-hmm. I mean, though the, the number of plays isn't considered, there's a big overlap, right? The correlation we have to downweight each of them to have both perspectives, right? Because if, if we just had yards... Fair alone, enough. Now, right? I, but yeah, I, thought, I was just saying from a yard perspective only, yeah, yeah. I would think every 15 yards is worth a point. So it would be a six points just from yardage, but I yeah. agree completely with the other stuff, like points to like a, a two point game. Yeah, yeah, because why? Because I mean, you agree with me that if if I could say, give me every team that won by 150 yards, and I'll bet you even money who had better YPP, you wouldn't want that bet, right? No. There's a real correlation. So we have to diminish both of them because we want both perspectives. Sure, right? sure. Would you agree with the way we said that? 100. All right, cool. All right, so this is fascinating. So I guess. And again, everyone has a different methodology. It seems like you better account for Josh Allen throwing a lot. I mean, he has the most interceptions now or turnovers for any quarterback drafted his his uh, draft year. So in theory, you know, and Baker Mayfield was in that draft. You know, and there was one play in particular I want to comment. So so Josh Allen threw an absolute bullet, beautiful pass, and Chris Collinsworth said, "Wow." Look at that. The linebacker's dropping. This guy's not open at all. And Josh Allen just throws a laser right over the linebacker, completes the 20-yard pass. Wow, that's a great play. But is it? It's almost like you're you're asking for perfection from your quarterback to complete that. How often are you going to be perfect? It's funny. With the defense as mediocre as it is now for Buffalo, I almost think his style of play is going to be better. Mm. Because if they have a dominant defense, you don't want him taking risks, right? Mm. Now, maybe that's the only way they can get on a run and make a Super Bowl because they're going to be inferior teams 
pretty much every round. You if it, if they do, they're even money to make the Super Bowl. Or I'm sorry, like to make the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing about Buffalo. Tough schedule, I think. Yeah, oh, for sure. One last thing about, some are calling it the gauntlet. Hmm. But <laughs> one thing I would, I think that was a Clint Eastwood movie. But, one, of, one of his best. <laughs> really? I haven't seen that. You uh, never saw the gauntlet? No. Was it a Dirty Harry movie? No. So I can't give you a 30-second synopsis. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So he's a... Uh, He's a washed-up cop that no longer used to be good when he was young. You got to be more specific. That's like always movies, right? <laughs> right, right. But, 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 so basically, they they have this. Um, they're going to have a witness that's going to testify, and they don't want this witness to testify. The police don't. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, who can we get that like to escort this witness to the courtroom that you know won't won't be successful? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, Shockley. Shockley's has been. He'll screw this up. Yeah. Okay, Shockley. Try to get this witness across the country from Texas to California, wherever you go. So this is like Midnight Run. I never saw Midnight uh, Run, but okay. but Shockley finds out. All right, that that's the plan, yeah. and so he like reverts back to when he's like like a kick-ass cop because he's oh. so furious. Ooh, you know Eastwood. I we got a quote from Eastwood here. You sound like a fucking hippie. Oh, I not really, but still. Um, <laughs> you want to hear my Eastwood imitation, Fez? Yes. Okay. I thought you were talking to Mackenzie because you looked that way. I'm sorry. I was I was channeling Eastwood. All right. <laughs> I'm thinking about starting my own Deadpool. Oh. <laughs> That's a great line. I, in fact, that, that whole movie was really made for, for him to say that line. <laughs> you saw Deadpool, right? No. I'm familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you've just seen it. Yeah. Just didn't quote. All right. Uh, last thing I'm going to say is this. I think the bill since that 18 seconds or whatever it was, that, that killed them. That killed their spirit because every game now before – a championship round game against KC or anyone really feels it feels like they've been there done that and the pressure that was like they look like they wilted last playoffs because the whole year they're waiting and waiting and waiting one or two things go wrong and now they're like oh Here my we god go we're again. Gonna, yeah i mean black cloud think of, i mean we can talk about a reevaluation of Belichick i find that absurd but one thing you can say for sure in hindsight is they were ready for whatever ups and whatever downs they face, and obviously the Atlanta Super Bowl was the perfect example of that. Could you could you imagine the Bills not having their hands in their you know like t- crying in their towels and stuff? Well, I can because I happen to have seen all the Bills Super Bowls, and after the first one, that's well, I'm talking about this. <laughs> but the same thing happened to them. Yeah, that's true. They, they they were good front runners. It's so funny how if they had won four more games in four years, they'd be considered greatest team the, of all time. Yeah, yep. it's crazy. All right, so let's see here. Of course, it would have taken like 68 points. Well, true enough. But but that's the thing. Sometimes one touchdown early changes a lot sure. of stuff. It, it's called the butterfly effect. <laughs> All right. We've talked Miami, KC. We've talked Seattle, Baltimore. We've talked Dallas, Philly. We've talked Buffalo, Cincinnati. How good is Cincinnati's defense? Because I, to me, I think Burrow, you can say the offense is where we thought it would be. I don't think the defense is. I think it's above average, but nothing, not top 10. So less than what you expected it to be. Absolutely. So since his power rating has to be less than it was entering the season then. It does. Okay. But you had him like second or third entering the season. Now yeah, you have I, him fourth I, as an 11-win team, and now I got him exactly. I think their offense is back, and I've got him, I got him fourth. Yeah. Big Lou, their D.C., could turn this around. Second he's, half. He's a second sat- half defense. Yeah, that's true enough. Yeah. Okay, Fez, I'm going to let you pick 
one or two really bad beats to talk about. Oh, not bad beats, but faulty finals to talk about. You now. know, I got to before we do that, I got to talk Minnesota Atlanta. Okay, which wasn't a faulty final, but I want I got a question for you. All right, is if you look at Arizona. All right. Mm-hmm. Can you make the case that I know Murray's coming back more than likely, although I haven't been able to confirm that. So normally I'd be, I'd be oh, let's bump up Arizona's power rating. But the fact that Arizona was so bad last week and Dobbs was so good, might Dobbs have just been carrying this absolutely atrocious team? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Here's what I think it is. You're right that this was horrible. 58 yards from Arizona. I mean, think about that. The average of every other team, winners, losers, uh, Seattle, it doesn't matter. Every other team that played other than Monday night, which I didn't have that data when I was doing this this afternoon. If I did, I would have made some big bets if I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Is the average yards per or average yards gain was 331. They gained 58. I mean, that's how bad it was. 331 was the average. They had 50. A lot of teams did that on one play. Yeah. Now, here's what I think it was. I do think the they're trying to tank. Mm-hmm. But front office tank, right? Yeah. So what did they do? They did something. I mentioned it last week. I thought it was horrible. They take Dobbs, who was ready to go play his revenge game against Cleveland. Sure. Because that's who cut him in, you know, in, in this preseason. I don't know about revenge, but it would have been a you know, heroic. Well, they traded him for nothing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It would have been a heroic return. Instead, they said, nah, we got to get rid of him for a seventh. Was it a seventh or a sixth round pick? I'll double check. I think it was seventh. Yeah, it was either, at best, it was six or a seventh round pick. What that? Why would you do that? Like, he is an elite backup. Why wouldn't you keep him as a backup? So, to me, this is almost like they're thinking, okay, Murray comes back. If he plays well, who knows? Maybe we trade him. Maybe we trade the number one pick. Because let's be honest, the quarterback class doesn't look quite as good as it did a month ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Williams doesn't look like that can't-miss prospect. He could still be great, but we don't know, right? But if Kyler does poorly or gets knocked out, which he tends to, it'd be great not to have a good backup. We're certainly going to get a, the number one pick. So I think they're, in a way, why else would they trade him for a sixth or seventh round pick? And why... <laughs> Surely they must know he was worth more than that. Was the rest of the NFL just asleep on how valuable he was, or was I mean, you would I mean, people need quarterbacks. So they acquired him from the Browns for a fifth round pick, and they traded him for a conditional seventh. A conditional seventh, which means they don't get a seventh in all cases. Like, what's the conditions? I'll double check that. I mean, I mean, it makes no sense. It doesn't. He's he's so exceeded expectations. Especially, he's the perfect backup because here's the thing. And this is something Kevin Cole, let's give him credit. He's the one that mentioned this, and I think he's right, is he's a high-variance quarterback, meaning he'll have some really good mm. games, he'll have some really bad games. If you're an underdog-type team, or you're an underdog because you're the backup for a game or two, you want a high-variance quarterback. And that, that was evidence in this game where he got sacked in the in his own end zone, and then he fumbled. And, and, and like, if you're, frankly, I, I got killed on this game, live wagering, and I'm like, oh, He's only been with the team for two days. Well, Atlanta's yeah. Atlanta's going to win this game. He's a rocket scientist, though. You got to know that he he's a master. And like people are like, well, why didn't Atlanta put a spy on him? Well, you know what? I saw I saw. What, what year is this that they think well, let's red dog him? I mean, well, well I I actually didn't. He's just like Dobbs is just really like like he he's savvy. He doesn't put his head down and run. He pretends to throw when he's running. Also, I mean, it's very difficult. And he does throw. It's very difficult to defend. Who said why don't they put a spy on? I heard that. 
but not from anyone that you would like take betting advice from. Well, I, I take betting advice from everybody. Even dumb people say really good things every now and then. But if you know that it's, <laughs> if you can discern it, you don't need them to yes. tell it to you. But but I guess my point is. It, there's no rhyme or reason to a conditional seventh-round pick for a prototypical backup, not to mention the team morale, because this guy put you in games. It's and Plus, he's a great locker room guy by all accounts. So to me, that was suspicious, and I felt like this was the one game. It was a sacrificial game for the team in a way they were sacrificing a chance to win because the, the backup that played had no chance. Exactly, exactly. So we've got to be very careful with Arizona. But you know, going back to Minnesota, I think we got to upgrade O'Connell because it would be very easy to say, you know what? We have a very difficult situation here with Atlanta, so I'm going to spend. I'm, I mean, if 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 if, um, if our BYU Hall, if our quarterback goes out, we're just screwed. We're going to lose. But no, he spent enough time with Dobbs who had no practice to at least have him have a chance out there, and that's commendable. Well, I mean, think about it. Jefferson was out, and their best tackle, uh, what's his name, Darius? Yeah, I've, yeah, but Darisau? No, it's not that. Darius? Yeah, there you go. Um, he was out, so their best, your best lineman, best receiver. I think the Another third receiver, had yeah, a concussion. So, yeah. So what I'm saying is to win that game, show you know, someone to, was to, I think it was um, the guy that used to be the Falcons GM that's part of that Sumner Sports or whatever it's called. Um, he was talking about, and he used to be with the Patriots. He was talking about how tanking isn't the case most of the time that you might think it is, and here's why. The, the 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 owner's not involved. The owner's not going to come in and say, "Let's tank." Usually, maybe in yeah, Dimitrov. Usually in Miami or whatever, maybe right. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, owners aren't sitting around conspiring with people, billionaires, mm-hmm. to, to tank. Okay, now maybe there's a whisper to the GM. You're right. And not, but what happens is, remember the Giants a couple years ago, they gave assurance to Joe Judge, "You got next year," right? So. But they lost. Remember how you had their power rating at minus twelve at the end yes. of that year? They looked so bad. They looked like they lost the team. He got fired. Hmm. So literally, he got the okay to say, "You got another year. Don't worry." And because they look so, so in a way, if you're a head coach, what one do you ever not try your hardest if you can be fired on a win? And your your legacy, bottom line, is that that, yeah. that shows up on your stats. So if you're Lovey Smith, you're like, "Screw this! I'm I, I got hired to do this job, and I'm going to do it." Yeah, you know. Fire me if you don't want me to do it. So I think that sometimes the front office might make moves, but because I would say there was, even if it was just the reason of saying you don't have a quarterback this week, Kyler's not ready, why trade your quarterback for a seventh-round pick when he could have been your backup after? Kyler gets hurt most years anyway. You're going to need him. And who goes into a game by choice? They chose to have the one quarterback they had. Yep. How— I mean, it, it really, makes no sense. It's irrational. Right. Yep. Unless there's another agenda. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, um, let me think about this. Average. Uh, oh, also, Arizona in fourth down and third down, so late downs, one of 13. <laughs> yeah. All right, next game. All right, phony finals. Chicago, New Orleans. This one, frankly, is kind of obvious. Um, turnovers, five to zero. If you watch this game, if you had Survivor, if you had New Orleans in your Survivor pick, you're like, you're sweating bullets. You're like, oh, we we are not outplaying these guys at well, all. But you'd have the people would have Washington right this week. 
I, I stopped following us once it got kicked out. <laughs> That's so. the, no, what I'm saying is, remember, Washington is the savvy. You had him in week one. A lot of people yeah. had him the week after. I mean, well, yeah, pick Washington every week, and, <laughs> even though they're only going to win one-fourth of their games or one-third so, so, of their games. So let's talk about this five-turnover margin. Okay, now this is amazing. This is one of my old-school stats, the old RJ numbers here. Mm-hmm. Check this out. All right. Up until two games ago, so counting the Chicago game and one other game, since November of 2010, so 12, 13, 13 plus years, well, 13 years or so, teams that were f- plus five in turnovers, exactly plus five, not six, not seven, plus five, were 42 and one against the spread. So 42 and one for, you know, the 13 years or so. And now the two most recent ones was Jacksonville in the playoffs. Wow. Against the Chargers were were minus or plus five and lost, and then this game. So it was forty two and one against the spread, and now zero and two. If what would what odds would you have given me, Fez? I go look at this forty two and one. I think the next two is going to lose. Yeah, so you you kind of go one one fortieth squared, right? Does uh, it sixteen hundred to one? Yeah, but you something might, like that. I I might regress ha- a third of that. You might say one thirty. Yeah, nine hundred yeah. to one. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a pretty safe bet, right? <laughs> what you think about it, if each turnover is worth like three and a half points, right? So you're looking at you're looking at a seventeen and a half point head start on the. So it's it's not insurmountable. It's just really good. Mackenzie has a very interesting point here. So one of the things, and Mackenzie does a good job of this, that we do is we say, okay, how many balls were fumbled, and we figure, okay, based on where it is on the field, who fumbled, there's a historic projection. How many does he recover? How many doesn't he recover? And we assume it should be an average recovery rate. Well, in this case, they didn't recover as many. You know, the Bears lost more fumbles than they should have. And if you, we also look at turnover-worthy plays to say, okay, there's a certain fraction of turnover-worthy plays that becomes actual interceptions, and it was too many here. So they lost about 22 points, the Bears did, in turnover, but it should have only been 15. So they were unlucky by about seven points. Does that sound like the way to say it, McKenzie? Yes. All right, that's good stuff. What do you so think? So, despite all this, I think that, that that sounds so clearly with all that. Even though they got outstatted slightly, the Saints with all these turnovers should have covered, but the Bears got the Bears got remarkably lucky in the fourth quarter. In that the literally the entire fourth quarter got played on the Bears side of the field. It was like some you you wouldn't have believed it. It's like the Saints try a field goal and it hits off the upright, and then the Bears go four and out, and then the Saints like somehow fail on a fourth and one and the Bears go four and out and then the Saints drive down to the four-yard line and then the game ends. I mean, it's like the Saints had every opportunity to get one more score and cover here. Do you downgrade them here? Oh, the Saints, yes. So they win, but you downgrade. Yeah, they gave, and they gave up 168 yards rushing, which is like unfathomable given they had the lead the entire game. They just got torched. They got out yarded. You have to downgrade the Saints. Do you upgrade the Bears? You do. Okay, yes. and and uh, this quarterback, the arm wrestling dude, Badgent. Now they play Thursday. What's your sense of who's going to be quarterback? I think it's going to be Badgent one more week. I don't. I don't see why when you've got a quarterback that's been injured. I feel it's been injured for like eighteen days now. Doesn't seem right to be able to bring him back on a short week, right? So does three and a half seem like the right number? It's not a short week if you haven't been playing though. Yeah, but still, like you're kind of targeting. If if, if he was able to go Thursday. 
then you could have. I guess you want to bring him back 100 percent because you don't care if you win or not. Um, Except this is his last chance to win the job this season. I mean, he won't have the job if the season ended today. He's not the Bears' quarterback. Okay, well, well, if the Bears are have Fields, they're they're not just better than Carolina. They're a whole lot better, and so they minus minus three and a half would be a bargain on the Bears. So, what would your line be with Fields, assuming 85? We'll just deduct a point from what you would say. Uninjured. I would make the Bears like minus four and a half. No, no, minus five, minus five. Okay, so you're saying, and how many points overall is the Fields to Badgett downgrade? It's like um, a 100% healthy Fields is like a minus one. Mm-hmm. And a bad- so, just be clear, minus one against an average NFL starter. Right, and a Badgett's like minus four right now. So three so points. Okay, and you're saying there's almost two and a half points. So this is, under your theory, this is saying that Fields is unlikely to play. Yes. I just don't understand how the Panthers could be so bad that that they're getting three and a half against a team that many people thought was the favorite to be the number one you know, pick in the draft. And they have a backup quarterback. The... Well, the Bears were favored to be the number one get, get the number one pick like like after four weeks, but yeah. but the Bears were supposed to win seven and a half games. And what so have they done? What have they done since? But what have they done since it's four, they had a close game against? They won a Denver. couple games. Okay, which games did they win? They they beat wait wait they lost to Denver, but uh-huh. they could have won. Oh okay yeah. And then they won two, and they won the, that was the one loss book ended by wins. It, well, what was the wins? I have to look them up. I can't remember who they yeah. beat. All right, non, so nondescript games. Yeah, I mean. Uh, We'll get it here. But here's the question. Carolina was a team entering the year. There was no sense that they were going to be the worst team either. You're saying They were supposed to be the same as the Bears. You're yeah. Right. So, I mean, listen, I got to be honest with you. After the bye and Carolina got the win, I thought they were in a good spot against the Colts. The fact that they, you know, I get there were two pick sixes, but boy. They, they beat Washington and they beat Vegas. You know, to be candid, both those wins seem and, – and if I remember, they beat Vegas handily. Now yes. I think about it. That was kind of the, the game that got him fired. So, yeah, I see your point. The D's getting better. The D is getting better for the Bears. And I think also with Carolina, you, um, you they just played a team in Indianapolis that has been a, a dead-nut over team. So mm-hmm. Indianapolis' offense has been better than expected, but their defense just has not been good at all. And they've been getting in all these shootouts. And the fact that Carolina – Does that speak to Carolina's defense? Um. Yeah, Carolina's defense is fine. It's Carolina's offense and young. They just they they just haven't been able to play. You know? Yeah, but Cle- yeah, obviously Cleveland gives up or, or um, Cleveland scores or, or gives up to the Colts like thirty eight points yeah. or whatever, and Carolina holds them in check. Other than the pick sixes, why aren't we thinking Carolina's got a top defense? Well, those defense has to prevent those two pick sixes. Oh, <laughs> never mind. So yes. I'm, I'm the question stands. Um, I think that there's no trust that Carolina's offense isn't going to keep scoring against themselves and Young and that the the, the the confidence. I have I have no confidence in Carolina based upon. I mean, you can't have a quarterback throwing two pick sixes in one game. Okay, um, I agree. He's underperformed. Young, um, if you had a choice, Will Levis, right? You're you're the owner of a team. You can have Will Levis, a second round pick that's played two games, or Bryce Young, the number one pick in the draft, has played eight or six or whatever it's been. Too close to call. So the, right now, that's a hair splitter. I think so. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> it's close, right? I, I, I think the thing that's co- no one. Gave up on Trevor Lawrence, even though Trevor Lawrence's rookie year was no better than this. It really wasn't. He went like 
12 weeks where he had like two touchdown passes in yeah. a 12 week span or some crazy number. I think because sh- there's something identifiable that's his problem, his his um, diminutive size, his his. Already, you're hearing you know, the 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 draft experts are like, "Well, I knew he was too small." You know, it's like you're hearing that but, again but, and again. But somehow they kept it from us because it seemed like that the only the squares were thinking anyone else should go. Should, I mean, uh, the idea of the high state quarterback Stroud going first, it was the squares people on earth that thought that. Yeah. Everyone else was with young. Oh, you might think his size will be a problem, but you don't understand he throws with anticipation. Mm-hmm. That's what you kept hearing. But now we're hearing a different story. But my point is, usually with a bad half of the first year, people don't give up on a number one pick. They've given up on Young, and it's not because he's that much worse. It's because you can look and see why he's doing bad or at least speculate, and that's the problem. Well, and he's getting screwed because if all the rookie quarterbacks were struggling – then he'd be in a better boat. But mm-hmm. the fact that C.J. Stroud's playing so phenomenally well, that's that's really burning, building the narrative even more. So let's do Carolina. Let's finish the Carolina game, then we'll go to the Houston game. Hey, it's R.J. Bell for Rocket Money. Listen, you know, there's no locks. You know that for sure. But almost a lock is each and every one of you has things you're paying for each and every month that you don't use or aren't worth how much you're paying for them. There's a better alternative. And we have Scott Seidenberg with us to tell about one of his discoveries with Rocket Money. Yeah, it discovered that I was still paying for an old editing software that I hadn't used in months. Let's be honest, it was years. And listen, be honest with yourself. Think of the things you've bought. Think about the times you've had a free trial and all of a sudden it auto-billed in and it's been auto-billing. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash RJ. That's rocketmoney.com slash RJ, rocketmoney.com slash RJ. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is RJ Bell, and I got to tell you, this is one I feel very seriously about. You know, I'm of an interesting age in that I can remember before computers were prominent, before the internet. And I remember my whole career has been built with the internet. I've seen the age and time when if you had issues, when you had something you wanted to talk to a professional about, there was apprehension. And one of the things that I think we've evolved as a society in such a wonderful way is we all understand help is a good thing. And that's where better help comes in. All of your interactions with your therapist, entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RJ to get 10% off your first month. Do it today. That's BetterHelp.com slash RJ. Um, any other, I mean, what, what, what's your thoughts on the Colts right now? Obviously Minshew. Um, well, I don't, I don't like, yeah, I don't like th- this game. Um you don't like the way they play. No, they got out. I mean, you could argue they got outstatted, but they had a big lead. So call the stats even and misleading phony final with them winning by 14. So we'll look at our recalculation here. And what it says is, and one thing I got to ask you, Fez, as I'm looking that up, is when it's 5-0 on turnovers, all right, that means that there were five possessions of a 10 or 11 possession game that were prematurely stopped. That team's going to get outstatted. Well, I'm, I'm looking at yards per play because that'll normalize everything. 
Okay. Yeah. And what was the yards per play in the uh, – let's look at both games. Let's look at the Bears against the Saints. Yeah, so uh, the Bears kicked ass four, almost six yards per play. Saints right around five. So the okay. Bears were clear-cut better. All right. And uh, how about the Carolina game? So Carolina, four yards per play, Indy, three and a half. All right, so Carolina played better. Yes. So I'm saying I think Carolina might be a pick here in this Thursday night but, game. Yeah, but if they can take care of the ball. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Carolina threw the ball a lot more, too, though. You know, So you expect to get more yards per pass But, than but the theory is – but you, I've never heard you quantify or, or – Again, equivocate things that way, like that, because here's the risk: when you throw, there's more chances of turnover, yep. you know, of of sacks, of things that are very negative. Um, Woody Hayes said, "There's two. Uh, when you throw, there's only three things that can happen, and two are bad." Yeah, but, but he'd be left out roughing the passer. Which it's <laughs> called true, like a too. fifth of the time. All right, so um, in that Carolina Indianapolis, amazingly, our stats, and remember, we take turnovers in account. Had uh, the Colts. By 15 points. Kevin Cole said 13. The pregame model said 10. That's EPA-based, not stat, the stats-based. And then 8 from PFF. So everyone's in the same range. But just in line of scrimmage, where do we have it? It's a, now, you are finally asking the right question. They're exactly tied. Yeah. They each lost 2.1 points. They were 24th and 26th. But somehow tied, there was someone in between them. Because we only go to a 10th, and that would be... If you guess, Fred, I'm going to just let you get who was right, who had an equal performance to the Colts on offense and Carolina. Just pick a team. Okay, let me let me take a look. Tell us your thinking as you look. Um, mm-hmm. Well, both both of them obviously struggled getting mm-hmm. under can... four under four yards per play. So I got to look towards like a really diminutive number. Uh, diminutive, he said. There, New York Giants. Oh, the opponent of the Giants was the Raiders. Yes, exactly minus two point one. Really? Yeah. Mm. But, by the way, because we won't spend much time on that game, the Giants were minus 16 points. They were number 30. So, not good. So, I'm going to spend eight seconds on that game. Identify a team that hates their coach, and if the coach gets fired, to throw every other factor into the garbage can and bet on that team. Well, they they lit cigars and were smoking and drinking champagne. They just, won the, they just won the freaking Super Bowl. They were so happy. And I, I think there's a lot to be said. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Yes. The, I think that... You're right that there is a lot of diminutive opinion. Oh, no, that's not right. Disparate opinion <laughs> when it comes to how to look at these firings. Because if you go back a certain amount of time, it says one thing. You go back another amount, it says another. It's really ebbed and flowed. Is, is there a new coach bounce? But if the coach is disdained, if he's hated, it does seem to make a difference. Because like the workplace is free, you know. So this could be the first time in the history of professional sports that a team that with no no playoff implications that won a game and is below five hundred celebrated in the locker room. I think the Washington Generals did. I think they had seven wins against the Globetrotters <laughs> over the years. Yeah, <laughs> um, is it that much? I know yeah, they won. Yeah, because they, they won accidentally. Like it was like someone screwed up, and they, it wasn't ever on purpose, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, some people say that that's a preordained finish. Mm. Kind of like, you know, some people think wrestling's like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so what do we got here? We're getting to the end of this. I am done with my phony finals. Okay. So let's just look at the other games. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Where do you got the Steelers? 30? 31? Last. No, seriously. Where do you got them? I've got them. Don't do the AJ where you think saying a lie is 19, funny. It's 19, not funny. They're 19th. They're one point worse than an average team. 
So the Steelers and worst get to go in the same sentence with you. You don't like. Remember, we were talking about winners and losers. You know, I I did remember hear, that. I know I did hear a stat that that so Pittsburgh has been outgained every game this year. Uh-huh. Okay, that's old school stat. Right, but but literally, like they used it. They, they they said the last time a team had a winning record this late in the year that had been so outgained was the Pittsburgh Steelers two years ago. So so clearly, there's something endemic to Pittsburgh, you know, and, and Tomlin's teams that make them perform better than the school than the stats. I represent what a real man is. That's what Tomlin says, baby. <laughs> now, a lot of people might say, should they change the OC? Canada's good. He's not good. And I'm going to show anybody out there that thinks for one second that maybe I'm second-guessing myself that I am the greatest of all time forever and ever. Well, Tom has been bold. You know, you said something I, I didn't I didn't follow. You said some people would say Canada's good. That's like saying Barry Horowitz, the wrestler, is good. I don't think anyone says Canada's good, right? Are we talking about the, the country or the, or the OC? Oh, both. Canada's just universally despised pretty much, right? Not by me. Hmm. I think I revel in our differences. No, I'm kidding. I love <laughs> I loved the country Canada. <laughs> but but wait, this Canada. is before this is before your time. In the 1976 Olympics mm-hmm, in Montreal, mm-hmm. one of our— Bruce Jenner. Yeah, but one of our athletes, I think the high jumper, like said, I love French Canadians. He had like a shirt because apparently he said something disparaging and they were all booing him. Huh. But Kenji, you can look that up probably somewhere. Look up disparagement of the French. I think it was 76 (laughs) Montreal and I think it was like a high jumper. All right, Fez, let's bring it back. Dwight Stones or someone. Dwight, Dwight Stone. But if it's Dwight Stones, I'd be very, no. He, that's interesting. I haven't thought of that name. He was like that's the kind of thing Sports Illustrated gave you. Like, I could be completely like, wrong. Tracking, but, but what I'm saying is, is that he is a high jumper. Um, I'm not sure that that was the guy. But um, Sports Illustrated not being a thing anymore, kids don't get a chance to like be exposed to things that because Sports Illustrated dictated what you read that week as a kid if you were a sports fan. And it was gospel. And yeah, and they would talk about track and field. They would talk mm-hmm. and. Yeah. So what are we saying here? Dwight Stone. Oh, my God, it is Stones. What? I thought it was Dwight Stone. I was wrong. Won his second consecutive bronze medal, becoming the third man. Um, but, th- but what I'm saying is, does this say that he disparaged the French? Not that I see so far. One yeah, second. so it wasn't him. Oh, it had to have been him. You think I, you think I just come up with Dwight Stones from no, 1976 he- from my memory dump from like 50 years ago without but a reason? But don't you see that... If you think it's a high jumper and you do know Dwight Stones, that you might think that he's the one that said it. It's the the only way I remember a high a high jumper that won a bronze medals. There had to have been some kind of story. All right, so it says his participation in the Montreal Games sparked a heated debate. He had allegedly said that he hated French Canadians. Okay, and that was in the newspaper in July twenty nine seventy six. On pages five and eight, so it was on it. They had two different stories about it. Oh my god! All right, the 1976 version of French Canadians, I hate, and there was no apology coming. <laughs> if anyone's still alive, right. <laughs> if you got All the right. white stones at ten thousand to one, head to the window. Whew. All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> Seattle, Arizona. We talked. Oh. Green Bay, they put a game together. 
Yeah, the Rams were really terrible. Yep. They uh, well, they got a lot of love, and it it faded fast. Um, they didn't get a lot of love when when Stafford got reported out because remember no, what that I'm line, saying is on the season. Yes, there was. I mean, I saw power ratings. I had him like tenth. Well, you told you told everybody you want to bet the Rams in September, and then uh, fragile teams they dro- fade. They drop fast though. There you go. But um, remember, right now, what's the line Pittsburgh in LA? Pittsburgh's like two probably, right? Who's the quarterback for L.A.? Yeah, let's say the current situation, whoever that was. Um, yeah. Dwight Stones. Is it Rippin? Well, I'm drawing Yeah, Mark Rippin. Yeah, right? I'm Brett drawing Rippin. Yeah. Uh, so What's the, his name? Brett Rippin. Brett. Who's, Mark was the original brother? Okay. Yeah, Pittsburgh, he's a, Pittsburgh won a Super Bowl for one. the Commanders, yeah. Pittsburgh favored by the two. The Commanders won no Super Bowls. Retcon Super Bowls, yes. Pittsburgh minus two. Yeah, that's what I just yeah. said. Yeah. So they, But it was three. But I guess now the question is how much. All right, if well, see, we don't even know how good they. But they were fading with Stafford in there. It mm. seems. I don't know. I I do know this, and we'll talk about it on Wednesday. Mackenzie, how are we coming on that uh, Raven stuff? Because we're almost done. I had that up for like. I was so happy with those. I had that up I for didn't like see three it. minutes. I didn't see it. Let's see it. What do we got? So this is since 2018, Lamar Jackson's first year. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the highest average fourth quarter win share teams. KC, number one, 76% on average. Then the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, 75%, a clear number two. The Ravens are still number two if you count all Ravens games. They're at 68. Then the Bills at 64, Niners at 62. That's, That's interesting. Stat, yeah. Yeah, so the, in every game across these years, KC had a 76% chance to win in the fourth quarter based on the projections from the NFL. And if I asked 20 people who was the second-best team in the NFL— since during this period, mm-hmm. nobody would say Baltimore. Yeah, and it's fascinating that they're uh, you know six points better or percentage points better with Jackson, but still second in all the games. Now, do me a favor. I wanted specifically the last this year and two prior. Could you give me that subset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's going to be. I'm guessing it's. I don't know. Did you look at that? Because I'm guessing it's going to be even higher. Because um, I just know that I was looking at the fourth quarter win share every week, and it was like Baltimore always. Was, had like three losses and everyone dismissed them. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, I think it's a combination of how poorly they've done in the playoffs. But in theory, they're throwing the ball more now. Now, here's my question I've given Lamar his due. I have a few questions. I've never heard this phrase said before. I now believe Lamar Jackson, because of this game, is the uh, favorite, should be the favorite. Now, this is other people have said this, should be the favorite to win MVP. Now, admittingly, this wasn't his best game, and he didn't play all that well. But overall, the team, it's like, wait a minute. If this is the game that made him go from not the favorite to the favorite, but he didn't play that well, then what the hell are they talking about? They're, they're normalizing it versus his competition. So Tua didn't play well. Mahomes yeah. didn't play well. So no one hurts is getting banged up. So his competition is t- all taking but if, it, but, but if everyone plays okay, how does anyone gain? It's not like well, Lamar because he played good. He didn't play great. He, he played play, good. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, better than anybody else. Yeah. So you, do you think Lamar should be MVP? Probably. Well, he's the third. He's only the third favorite now. So you should make a big bet on him. Well, the problem is the season's not going to end today. <laughs> yeah, but if he's that good, I mean, I, don't I, know. I think I think I'm still skeptical. Date, I think year to date, he should be the MVP. Like what? Like what stats tell you that? Or or are we post stats? The now? eye test. The eye. No, I'm serious. Like what? Because I mean, when we look at the stats, here's the thing: in the passing year of the NFL, the EPA number one quarterback has won every year but two years. Hmm. 
So one of those years was that Cam Newton, when he won in 15, I think it was. And the other year was probably Lamar won, right? I don't know. I think Lamar maybe was the number. I can't remember that. Um, it was a year Peyton Manning was second for some reason. Philip Rivers was first, but the Manning's record mm. was a lot better. Uh-huh. Wait, you're saying Philip Rivers won an MVP? No, he was the no, he was one. the one guy in the last 15 years outside of the Cam Newton year that was number one in EPA. But didn't oh, win. you're saying you're saying that Peyton won, but Rivers was the number yeah. one. Yeah, it was a close second. That feels right to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what you're saying is that every year except when there was a running quarterback that the EPA didn't account for, you know, obviously with Cam, and who's going to vote for a Charger for MVP, <laughs> That it's been that for like, what, 10 plus years, right? Yes. Okay, so let's look at the EPA this year and see if Lamar's clearly number one because in theory that's who's supposed to win. Now you could say, well, Lamar runs really well. Mm. Okay. We'll, we'll give him a little bit of margin over that, sure. but I, we'll see where, where he's at. Um, it's calculating as we speak. All right, so what's our, num- what's our ratings here? No, no garbage time, right? Yes, it looks like Brock Purdy is your MVP. All right, so what, what is the EPA per play? 0.32. All right, and who's next? Josh Allen, 0.24. Okay, who's next? Patrick Mahomes, 0.223. All right, who's next? Uh... Well, where's Lamar? Uh, he's 10th. 10th. Yeah. Okay. So every year you have to be one, but this year the number 10 should be. Not not real logical, is it, Fez? But you're caught up in it. You, in fact, you're to blame. If there was a vote today, who would win? Well, I think he's the third favorite, so I don't think he would necessarily, but there does Oh, I think he'd win. So you think that the third favorite part is them projecting how poorly he's going to do. No, it's projecting that Mahomes— Because he's already 10th. What's he going to do? Well, they're, proje- they're projecting that one of these Hurts or Mahomes or someone's going to have a monster second half. And But Lamar can't have a monster second half? Probably not. Then why would he be MVP? He won't be. My point exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, maybe we can have a more cogent dialogue on this. What the hell is going on here? It reminds me of the NBA, where every year it's the number one PER guy, and it's also the number one guy in their conference. And sometimes there's no, there's none of that. This year, Mahomes. Wait, wait, Allen, I don't understand what you just said. Sometimes there's none of that. What does that mean? Like almost always, it, it's the confluence of events where you're very good statistically, one or two, and you're leading your team in conference. And we haven't had you're many. Leading ex- your team in conference. <laughs> you're leading but, your team in conference. Yeah, your conference is leading the Eastern or Western conference. Your okay. team. Your, <laughs> your team. Exactly. Yeah, I understand. Okay, and then you're saying, but then sometimes it's not. When's the sometimes it's not? Like the Russell Westbrook year, there wasn't a top statistical okay. guy that had a great record. Okay. So then in that case, when there wasn't someone that met the criteria, it was a person that broke a 50-year-old record of a triple-double through a season. It kind of makes sense. Right. Harden was the other one that people thought maybe that year. Okay. When other times, when, when, when other was it not that criteria? Uh, it's pretty rare. I think Steph Curry's year, he was like a top five, but not number one statistically. But he wasn't 10. Right. Okay. You know, listen, it's narrative based, but the sanctimony that people talk about it with, it just, your point was savvy about it's all relative. Though, again, if Lamar, it's hard to make up a ton of ground if you're having an okay day. But sure. Maybe, maybe. Do me a favor. Can we see what Cam was on EPA, even if we had to find an article on it? Because I don't think we got it that far back, do we? I'm going to do a bold prediction against it. Yeah. I, um, against what? Against the whole EP, being on top of the EPA to win. This year? Yeah. So this is the year it's not going to happen. Go ahead. The but Bengals, you don't think Lamar is going to do it? No, the Bengals quarterback is going to win. 
The Bengals, you don't know the Bengals quarterbacks now? I just had a fried, like, I, I, I just you watched him. You don't know him. Joe Burrow? I just watched him, like, all, like, for three hours. I'm, I'm going to go in for my Alzheimer's test. <laughs> so, yeah, Burrow. Well, you, you're not feeling Bur- Burrow's going to, I'm a little down. Burrow's going to be uh, the MVP. They're going to forgive him for his bad September because he was injured. So Burrow was 20 to 1 entering the weekend. I think he jumped to 7 to 1. I don't think that's even possible. Oh, it's, it's very possible. No, I, I Okay, I don't think it is. No, it's very no. Okay, but my point is, he had like almost half a season of playing bad. I, I, it's well, forgivable. I, he was injured. Well, is he going to be number one in EPA? He won't have to be. So, oh, this is interesting. Cam was ninth in EPA his year, but who was the best other? Who was first? Carson Palmer. I can't believe that's I, not going to happen. I can't. I, I can't believe like like I couldn't remember like Burrow. Burrow. Had, well, that happens sometimes. I, what I'm happens just, when, like when, I don't know what, <laughs> when you're on air. And you can't remember something, it starts to be everyone does it. It's live. You it's, start you start to have a little bit of panic. You know, I, I did, I panicked. Yeah, and, and then your brain shuts down. So mm-hmm. just be calm. It's my team. It's yeah, the Bengals are my it's team. It's not really your team. You're it's right whoever about you that. bat in any given week so is your true. team. So All true. right. So let's I think it's Lamar's story is interesting. He's the third favorite right now. By the way, uh Burrow is uh seven to one now, big jump. And he's probably like number sixteen or something, right? No, it's like EPA? fifth or oh oh yeah I, yeah I mean it's got to be way down. You want to okay? Mackenzie's doing a good job tonight, by the way. Um, all right, so here's the fourth. Oh my god! So I was wrong about this. Fourth quarter win. And I haven't had a great sh- uh, prediction show. Fourth quarter win share from 2021 on. This is with Lamar. Uh, yeah. Baltimore was third, 70 percent. KC was 75.9. Buffalo was 73.5. Philly next after B- Baltimore, then San Fran, then Baltimore without Lamar. Okay. Huh. There's two balls. That's a nightmare for a Steelers fan. By the way, Fez, let's take a minute, then we'll wrap up a couple games. Should John Harbaugh go to jail? Or Jim, I guess. Jim. If he committed a crime, absolutely. But are you familiar with what's going on with the 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 the, the, Amer- the, the American dream being sullied by his cheating? I am. Um <laughs> And, my, and there was my, my favorite um, Halloween costume. They they showed they showed a guy, and he says he had binoculars on him, and he goes, "I'm a I'm a Michigan scout," <laughs> and they showed him at a random football game at good. Nebraska. I was like, "That's a great costume." That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, I think I think I I I would hit the wrong button. Here we go. He smells. Honestly, shouldn't we have known? And I'll talk about this at length on Wednesday's taping, Thursday release. That they beat a high state that something was amiss. Like they couldn't have done it fair and square. Well, it's tonight tonight is my night for not remembering it's a, it's a Shiani for Rutgers, the the head coach. When they mm-hmm. interview him at halftime, they're like, Oh, you guys weren't able to do anything on offense. And and he he was very stoic and he said, Well, there's things going on here that I'm not allowed to talk about. So basically, this was before the story broke. Yes. So basically, the Rutgers coach was tipped. Basically, recognized that Michigan knew his signals. That they then maybe maybe they should have given him false signals. Then mm-hmm. that would have been. I mean, Mackenzie, what's your take on this story? I know we've gotten so desensitized to corruption and crime, right. and, and 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 hurting kids. <laughs> Imagine all the little Buckeye kids that said, wait a minute, we don't lose to Michigan. And then they started smoking cigarettes. They were probably starting to do wine coolers because it was like nothing made sense. After World War II, there was a big movement uh, with uh, uh, the existentialist, it was called. It was people saying, after the Holocaust, how could we understand the depths of human misery and, 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 and evilness? 
Now, I'm not saying it's that bad. I, I, it's a similar concept. I, I have a question that was now. This was during the games that he had scouts that were like scouting material during the practices because if it was during the games. I think that should be perfectly illegal. What's wrong with well, that? Well, maybe when you become commissioner in the NCAA, you can change the rules. But the rules are because here's the thing: they're not allowed to be physically at the games of the opponents because all it does is create a sense you're spying on each other. So now you're going to try to get in the locker room. You're going to pose as a reporter. What's next? How many people have you heard make the comment like, you know, a lot of coaches do stuff like the what aboutism is is rampant in college football right now. And it's usually a high state hater. <laughs> yeah. Or and Notre Dame guys. Yeah. What I should have known is when they lost that first game, I should have said, hold on, something's wrong. Michigan never beats Ohio State. Then they win two in a row. Yeah. C- we're, clearly we're corruption. Thinking that, we're thinking that's random. Now, here's the next question. How much money has changed hands because of that cheating? And could they be a class action lawsuit? The lawyers are going to make lots of money. No, class action lawsuit means they'll take a third, and then maybe we can recoup some. Mm. I think it should be pro rata for because those are much bigger. You know, I mean, Ohio State never loses. I think we should bankrupt Harbaugh. <laughs> but but all joking aside, Colin, Colin says he should run to the to Vegas. You might you, you might get to see him. Well, listen, <laughs> I personally. I don't think he's going to give you an interview. Me an interview? I, I wouldn't want to interview him. Yeah, I, I'd be. It'd be like the um, what was that? The he'd kick my ass up and down. The uh, <laughs> what was that dude's name that that said the, the one uh, Rams quarterback that he should wear a dress or something? Yeah, Chris Everett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Romy, Jim Rome. Jim yeah, Rome. it was <laughs> Jim, it was Jim Everett. Yeah, <laughs> bet yeah. you won't say that one more time, <laughs> Chrissy. <laughs> so, so, but still. I, I'm, I, I worry about the kids. You don't seem to care. Like, remember when Hamlin got hurt? You're like, oh, Johnny was watching the game, and it was startling to him that people could get hurt in a football game. Well, what about the idea of cheating and stealing and, and deception and duplicity? Nobody died. It's okay. And no one died in the Hamlin thing. Thank goodness. Thank God. Is that, is that our new standard? If someone doesn't die, it's not wrong. Pretty much. See, he's proven my point, Mackenzie. I got to find an ethical place to apply my trade. For the good of society. No, for the good of me and my <laughs> sanity. sanity. <laughs> All right, real quick, we'll wrap up here. Um, looking ahead, is there one or two games that you think? Uh, and I'm gonna get, I'll, I'll give you a minute to get that because I'm going to give a few stray facts as we go here. Dallas had 26 first downs. That was second only to Baltimore. So Dallas's offensive performance was very strong. Um, now the Falcons, they lost the game, but they actually converted better than 50% of their late down conversions and they only had four penalty yards. So they did so many things right and still lost the Falcons. Ooh. Four penalty yards. You, you, you know, I saw a disciplined team. I, I saw Minnesota only had one penalty for like four yards. Also, did I get that mixed up? It might've been like six or it was more than four, but it was like under 10. Mm, interesting. Maybe the refs just didn't call any penalties in that, that crew. Hard to believe both oh, teams played. Oh, against each other. Oh, see, I'm not sure. Maybe, Ken, do you want to check that box score real quick? Because I, I didn't notice it was they played each other. So let's see here. Uh, okay. What do we got? It looks like eight penalties for uh, 62 yards. the Falcons, yeah. 
So is Minnesota. That oh, only had one, one penalty for so four So think yards. about how unlikely. Oh, think about how unlikely this is, RJ. Yeah. You know, if if there was one team I was going to bet, who's going to have the most penalties this this week? And you told me, well, Dobbs is going to have to be forced to play. I might bet on Minnesota to have the most false start. Vikings. That's a Caden's good point. Strong. Actually, that's a good point. And I mean, the game was decided so closely. <laughs> I got to start using those alternating rows because on Excel, when you get out to the right too far, I always tell Mackenzie, repeat the teams. Just keep repeating the teams. I guess I had it too far you out. You know, it's interesting when Sorry I when, when I put in my stats, mm-hmm. like if I write them and then enter it into Excel, mm-hmm. I remember them so much more just by physically writing than just by key punching them in. Yeah, because luckily, I remember I key punched that. I, I I wrote that down, you know, as I was looking at that. No, yeah. that's what they say. As you learn, if you write it, it helps. Luckily, I rarely make mistakes like that, so I was just. Yes. <laughs> but we we caught that one. Um, let me see here. Oh, this is interesting. Minnesota. Prior to this game, or maybe it was Atlanta. No, Minnesota prior to this game had six straight unders. Interesting. I mean, they don't strike you as an under. I mean, it shows Kirk you that Cousins de- is like like putting up all these yards and everything. Yeah, yeah. And but that, the defense is playing much better than expected. I mean, what's Minnesota's odds to make the playoffs? I I, I thought someone said even money. Nah, they're an underdog. What would you put the odds? Right now, they're in. If I, if, I would say they're over under on season win numbers would be like. I gosh, like seven point six. So like, and the NFC South is still got such a cupcake schedule. I would say they're they're minus two hundred. No. All right. So, hmm. Got the odds up. Go ahead. Uh, yes, plus one forty. No, minus one seventy five. So what would you take there? I think you take no. no. I yeah. take no. I would take no too because the reality is Dobbs can't have these heights, but he also has some depths and. Let's face it; they were an average team with Cousins. So Dobbs is. I not think they as good were a little better than average, but because mm-hmm. they because they could have easily been one or two losses. I mean, what game? Everyone was a one-score game. They lost, and they lost a bunch of fumbles. They could have been. I think they were better than last year. Can we agree to that? Yes. All right. Which is crazy because they were thirteen and four last yeah, year. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. But without Justin Jefferson, about the same. Last thing on Seattle, and again, I'm a fan of Seattle. But but this is pretty amazing. These are the first downs they had on their drives. Zero, one, one, zero, zero, two, zero, 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 two, zero, zero. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eight out of ten of the final drives, they had no first down. Not good. I mean, that's that is that's diminutive for sure. Um, <laughs> now, this is interesting. I, I dug into the box scores this week. We didn't talk about Houston and Stroud very much. Mm-hmm. Let's just finish with that. So they, were, they went 75 yards from their own 36 with 46 seconds left. So it's like they, they went and won, had a game-winning drive, then another game-winning drive because one happened before yeah. this one. Um, Houston had three less days rest than Tampa because remember Tampa played on mm, Thursday. That's a good point. So you would think playing late in a big block by, or a big fireworks game, fatigue might be in it. No, they were played well. There were six lead changes in the game, and up until at the beginning of the game, Houston went three and out the fir- three of the first four drives. So they started slow and really came on. And each team, final point, each team. Only had one drive more than three minutes and 50 seconds. That's interesting. So these were boom, boom, boom. Not a lot of dink and dunk drives. How good is Stroud? 
is Houston? Where do you got Houston to be the favorite uh, or to make the playoffs? Do you have them? Shroud right now twelfth in our combined rankings, um, right behind Purdy and right ahead of Stafford. I think Houston should win nine games, so they're much closer to pick them to make the playoffs. So we've got uh, yes plus two fifty, no really? minus three twenty. Now, can you look at the over under win total for them? Yep. So I bet that win total is not near. I don't think it could be nine. Yeah. Okay, so you think they're better. Where you got them in your power rankings? Let me see. And it's like eight and a half under is minus 120. Okay. All right. So they're at eight and a half, not nine. So I think. I've got them 16th, right in the middle. Yeah, I think the thing about them, the last couple games have been the worst up to this game. For Stroud, makes me worry this might be the aberration. If he had been trending up, 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 you know, but really the last couple games, it looked like the league had caught up to him a little bit. Right, so next week we'll tell a big story, I think, or the next time. I'm not sure if they have to buy this week. So thinking of that, give us one or two on the way out the door to look ahead to. Yeah, so Belichick has been historically great. And by the way, Mackie sent this to me. I hadn't heard from him in a while. Oh, okay. Our, our friend of the show, Mackie. Yeah. Um, he says Belichick is 3-0 and in uh, international games with a tremendous – um, yeah, point so, spread coverage. Do you think that's still relevant with everything that's been going on or not? Yeah, because listen, if you look at his inner, I mean, obviously this has not been a good season. Um, Here we go, three and zero, straight up and against the spread by thirty point three three per game against the spread by twenty one. He says per game. Now that's impressive. Now it makes sense because what is Belichick? He's someone that plans stuff way ahead of time. He's all about operational efficiency. Mm-hmm. So th- this is the kind of game where that matters. You got to wonder though if you're losing this much and it's so disappointing, does a trip like this feel like drudgery to the players? Yes, it's yeah. one. It's one thing to go through, you know, um, all this um, extra work, and mm-hmm. you know you're working harder than anybody else in the league. If mm-hmm. you're winning championships, do you really want to do that when you're two and seven? Probably not. Yeah, and and I think this trip is going to be extra effort. Now, I would say Riverboat Ron is the opposite of that. So I think this is a contrast. Oh, I guess I, that was last week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we didn't talk about that game. Washington really dominated that, that, that game. I thought the final score, though, was dicey. The, the final score was – Washington deserved to win. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that 100%. So looking ahead with the New England game here – See, I got my week nine to the right of my week 10. I should have them flip because time has passed and now we're in week 10. But um, it's against Indianapolis. Now, here's the thing. Styking is is a coach. Now, did hmm, – can you look – did Philly play overseas the years that Steichen was with him or did the Chargers? Because the question is, has he even done this trip before? Well, you know, I know he hasn't done Germany, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think. But let's think about it. Has, had Philly gone in those two prior years? And then I think it was the Chargers right before that, right? McKenzie? Yeah, so they did not go anywhere last year. Let me check. Yeah, so we'll, so you finished with a couple – right, so you, you're looking at New England. You think they get bad here? I'm, I'm looking more for line moves than picks. Um, no, because there's, the book is that the better team wins in these international games, and Indy's clearly the better team. Right. Wow. Well, let's see. What do you have him in the power rankings? Uh, I got Indy two points better. I got Indy at 18th, and I have New England at 26th. Okay. So there's one and a half point. The the spread right now is New England plus one and a half. You're saying two, thus the idea of a little edge for the travel. Okay. That makes sense. Um, If Steichen hasn't done this as a coordinator, I think that's a big advantage. He has not. Okay. 
All right. I, and, that, and that checked which years exactly? Uh, 2020 with the Chargers, last two years with the Eagles. Okay. I have one game and one game only where the number and my power ratings don't jive at all. Okay. Okay, so I need your advice here. San Fran is at Jacksonville, and I only have San Fran. Maybe I just haven't adjusted them upwards enough for getting guys back. But I only have San Fran two points better than Jacksonville. It's in Jacksonville, and San Fran's laying three. So I think what we discussed earlier about the San Fran belonging in that A tier and you not having them. Let's say you put them right up at fifth. What's the number say then? Like whatever team is fifth, assume that San Fran's. I, I still only have them two and a half on a neutral, and it's at Jacksonville. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing: Jacksonville is six and two, right? They're off a bye. It strikes six and. Three, I think. Well, right? is they're that if you're off a bye? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So they're six and two off a bye. They lost to Kansas City, right? And that was uh, they played. They got dominated. They, I don't. They I don't, move, I don't they think dominate the ball. Yeah, they but got I, outplayed. Yeah, yeah. So my thought is, people don't believe in the. This all comes. I think we all narrative. Agree. Jacksonville can't beat the good, the best teams. Yeah, I think the question is, are the Jags as good as their record? Mm-hmm. Are they as good as what they seem to be? If they are, it's all value here. Yeah. If they're not, then I think this line makes sense. I don't see San Fran being the right side. I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I I see it either as Jags or Pass. The bye, listen, Jags were, were sucking air after that two weeks in London, then they played that short Thursday game. Now, I, you know what's interesting, that pops in, I'll talk about it on the Thursday morning release, is when a team has, I think it's 22 days of rest with only one game in between, right? So I think that's what, I'm, just by memory, mm-hmm. I did it. They do horribly. Rust versus rest. They, like there's yeah. like a scenario like that because I was thinking Jacksonville plays on. Hmm. Uh, what did they play on Thursday? I can't remember. Did they play on? No, they had one. They had a game. No, no. Okay, that was it. They they had the th- um, Thursday. The Sunday Thursday bye. game. They had a Sunday bye, and then they played one Thursday. Mm-hmm. So they played one game between Thursday and then and two Sundays. Kind of makes sense, right? The, yeah. yeah. So I mean, so you're saying the rust? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll have that exact stat for us, but they, they will be rested. One more game because maybe maybe fade, maybe fade them in the first quarter. Yeah, that's I a good mean, that's I mean, a good yeah. point. One one more for you, but your Pittsburgh Steelers. So there is no faith in Pittsburgh, despite them playing so well under Tomlin. They open up three and a half point favorite against the Green Bay Packers, a team that has very much disappointed. All the money in Green Bay, it's down to three. Okay, so we don't have one example of three and a half. We got the look ahead was three. We got the open was three. We got the Monday morning was three. Where did you see three and a half? That was painted three and a half Monday morning. Everyone had three and a half. Mackenzie, what? Now, it could have gone three to three and a half by the time I woke. I slept but, in yeah, on there's, Monday. There's two periods on Monday that I track, 6 a.m., the first thing, and then 11 a.m. So if it was three at those two windows, it could have been three and a half for two hours, and it would still show up. I did same. not awaken Monday morning until I, I dropped Johnny off at school. I went back to sleep, and I... Looked at my screen at 9 a.m. and it was three and a half across the board. I know because I was kicking myself for not giving out so the this plus would, three and a half. So this would have been the exact time. Yeah. All right. So then, that, man, it's three now, right? So someone must have laid three up to three and a half and then back down to three. Yeah. Okay. So that means net net. That's interesting with the line move. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So that's interesting. Okay. And you you got no other line move predictions? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I. I would predict that they would take the three actually on on Green Bay, but the fact that they that this line got up to three and a half, um, I only have Pittsburgh a point better than Green Bay. Yeah, so with home, you're not getting a three. Yeah. Okay. So I would predict they would that, that Green Bay could would drop down to two and a half. But you know what? How um, have you how have you done on the Steeler picks? 
I've done well with the with, what? With, I've done well predicting the line moves. I've done very poorly <laughs> predicting the winners. Oh, if, <laughs> one if, for two. I keep looking for a lunch place that will let me spend closing line value for my lunch. They just won't let me though. All right, boys and gals. Thank you for a good show, Fez. It was it was a good show generally. Mackenzie was on it today, which means that's well, Joe Burrow, right? Bengals. Yes. Yeah. Which means we'll have a disaster come Wednesday, but maybe not. Maybe he's going to change. We'll <laughs> see. Stay tuned. Appreciate it. <laughs>